listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What's up, everyone? It's your host, Chris Vosvoglu, and welcome to another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Bucru Media and Level Water. Level Water is a New Orleans-based alkaline water that goes through 11 stages of purification and is infused with bioavailable minerals to deliver superior taste and hydrations. You could try Level Water today by visiting levelwaterco.com slash BKM and use our latest code BKM6PACK for a free six-pack of Level Water. Now, it's spelled BKM, all caps, the number six, PK for a free six pack of level water. All you have to do is just pay shipping or select free local pickup. But remember, level water, some of the best out there in the game. Go try it out with our code BKM six pack. Now, happy Wednesday for everyone listening. It's going to be a fun episode, a little bit of a different episode in the sense that it's been really quiet on the Saints front, thankfully. And there's not that much to discuss in terms of, you know, hard news and what's going on. So that kind of leaves it open-ended in the sense that, hey, what can we talk about? And the good thing is there is a lot of discuss. Now, first, before I get into it, just want to say it was hilarious joking around with Saints fans last night about the Suns-Clippers game because it was probably the most like poorly officiated game I've seen in the NBA in a while. And that's saying something because there's fouls left and right in that league. But I tweeted as a joke. I'm like, oh, this game's officiated like a Saints playoff game. And Cam Jordan retweeted it. And it got me thinking, you know, how do these guys feel about the playoff games? I know how us Saints fans feel. We're sick about it. But I wonder how the players feel, and I think that retweet kind of just lets you know where their head's at. Now, before I get into the main topic today, which I'm not sharing yet, but I will in just a minute, I want to really briefly discuss what I I was thinking last night. So I'm watching the NBA lottery because, frankly, there was nothing else on, and and I kind of find it amusing, especially seeing when Twitter reacts to certain things and who gets what pick. And I thought to myself, and I tweeted about it, and I saw a lot of you agreed, and I was just thinking, man, I would hate it. Imagine the NFL had a lottery system. And your team in this particular situation, the Saints, go like 0-17, completely just suck the whole year, and then don't get the number one pick. I think I'd rip my own head off. Like, I really think that I'd go nuts. And it just makes me super thankful that the NFL doesn't have that. Now, I know the flip side is people will tell me, hey, but Chris, the lottery, so you don't purposely tank. Okay, sure. But what if you were just that bad and you don't get the number one pick? How do you get out of that hellhole? It's pretty tough. So... And you know the Saints. You know the Saints' luck. The Saints can lose every game, and they wouldn't get the number one pick in this hypothetical scenario where there would be a lottery system for the NFL. So thank you, NFL, for not having one. Less stress on my plate. Don't have to worry about that type of stuff, but obviously you don't have to worry about the Saints being the worst team in the league. That's not going to happen. That actually helps me get to my next point, though, which is the main thing I want to talk about for this particular episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast, and it's what is the ceiling for the 2021 New Orleans Saints? Just think about that for a second. I know it's so early. I mean, at the time of recording, it's June 23rd, and we still got about, I want to say, two months and two weeks to the regular season. So we got a while. And it's something we're not really going to get an answer to until the Saints actually play. And that's the frustrating part. So I'm sitting here saying, hey, what's the Saints ceiling? And realistically, it could change. It might not even be something that we find out until, let's say, September or October or even November around Thanksgiving. However, it's an important question to ask because some Saints fans have brought it up. Others are afraid to mention it, but I'll be the guy to do it. There is a question mark as to how good the Saints team could be and what the vision is moving forward and what the outlook is for this caliber roster. And I'm going to address the good and I'm going to address the bad, but I'm going to start off with the bad because it's a little concerning and a little confusing. What is the vision for the New Orleans Saints? Now, I know Ryan and Adam for Hashtag Saints Twitter podcast have talked about this a lot, and they are more on the 
you know, be free to take the shot at the Saints, and I don't blame him. And they will talk about, hey, you know, we don't see the vision. And I kind of agree with them in some sense in the fact that, okay, why are the Saints constantly going undrafted free agents for wide receivers in a league that is just so wide receiver dominant? I mean, they can change the game. They have more impact than most positions. Why are the Saints constantly investing in defensive ends that are built like power forwards in the NBA? Just I, I find that confusing. Had it worked, I'd say, okay, yeah, keep going back to well. But it didn't work, and then you go back to that well, that's a bit confusing. Why are the Saints constantly investing draft resources in a position they can't draft, which is linebacker? That's a little bit confusing. And if you tell me they can't draft, they can draft linebacker, I'm going to kindly just pull up a little pro football reference sheet for you with all the linebackers they drafted, and we can go through the history, and we can tell that they can't draft linebackers. Frankly, they got Zach Bond, who if he can't figure it out this camp, he's off the team. And they drafted him in the second round last year. So they can't draft linebackers. That's a fact. They didn't do it with Stephon Anthony. We're going to see if Pete Werner could break the mold. I think he actually can, but there, there's just no history for the Saints over the last two decades where they're going to draft the linebackers. It just doesn't happen. It, it doesn't. Outside linebacker, inside linebacker, it doesn't matter. They don't have success. So those are the things where I'm like, okay, what is the Saints' vision? Like, what are we doing here? We, we don't have an answer at quarterback, a definitive answer. We don't have great linebacker play, and they didn't invest in free agency because they didn't have money. So you kind of went to the well for, for draft, and I kind of understand that, but you struggle to develop that position. And then, and then you're kind of saying, all right, well, Zach Bond's not working out. And then you don't invest in wide receiver, which I know Saints fans think that I kind of stress that need more than others, but it's not about stressing the need. It's just accepting the fact that this NFL is wide receiver dominant. Look at the two teams that made the Super Bowl. And do tell me that they don't invest in their wide receiver room. They invest in their wide receiver room a good bit. And they actually drafted wide receivers this year when they didn't even need one just because they want to invest in that position. So those are the negatives. And when I look at that part, I'm like, hey, you know, what the hell are the Saints doing here? However, I think a lot of the Saints' issues are a little bit grossly overstated. And I think people are actually, the one thing that people just freak out over is, man, the Saints lost their depth because guess what? The cap is real and you lied. You said the cap isn't real, but it's real. That's what people like to say. That's what Twitter likes to say. Not me. That's what Twitter likes to say. I think that's a little ridiculous because I think when you look at the Saints' losses, a lot of them don't have as much of an impact last year's season as people think. So let me begin. They lost Drew Brees, and Drew Brees, you don't replace a Drew Brees. You just don't, and I'm not going to give you some hot take that they're better without Drew Brees because I'm not an idiot, although I am an idiot, just not for that, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Saints got better because they got rid of Drew Brees. What I will say, though, is that Drew Brees, as great as Drew Brees is, and you know I love Drew Brees. I mean, there's pictures of Drew Brees behind me, for God's sakes. They know over the last two years they've been able to manufacture offense regardless of who the quarterback's in, so I think while that is a huge miss, I think there's other ways they'll miss Drew Brees. I think they'll miss Drew Brees in the two-minute drill. I think they'll miss Drew Brees in the leadership role. I think they'll miss Drew Brees in the understanding of Sean Payton's offense. He could kind of just call plays by himself on the floor on the fly. That you'll miss him in. But you are going to gain a deep passing attack that you haven't had. You are going to have a little bit more durability at the position because unfortunately the last two years Drew's been hurt. So I think those are things to consider. But let's just say you lose Brees. That's a, a miss. Okay, that's going to hurt. Quan Alexander. That one is going to hurt. Do not get me wrong. That one is absolutely going to hurt. But when you consider Quan Alexander, you have to be fair. And you have to be fair in the sense that, okay, he's usually hurt. And uh, let's just call it what it is. The Saints' best defense game of the season actually happened without Quan Alexander, believe it or not. It happened when the week 
when they traded him, he didn't play. They played the Buccaneers. He was still getting used to the playbook and because of COVID rules and everything, didn't have time to get ready. That was their best defensive game of the whole season when they just blew the doors off the Buccaneers. Now, they're going to miss Quan, but we got to be fair and say, okay, first off, Quan could hypothetically come back, even though that's a little bit of a long shot. But two, he's always hurt. So it was a matter of when, not if Quan Alexander gets hurt, unfortunately. And as much as that sucks to say, that is the truth of the matter. So let's go on to the third one. My guy, Emmanuel Sanders, you guys know how I feel about Emmanuel Sanders. This was a weird year for him. I, he, he started off rough, then he gained momentum, but then he caught COVID and that kind of knocked him out of momentum. And then he kind of gained it back a little bit, but then nothing. I, it was weird because I thought Emmanuel Sanders was the perfect piece for the New Orleans Saints. And it's not that he was terrible, just didn't work. It didn't work. to The plan didn't go to perfection, I should say. And that for the Saints was frustrating. So while it is a loss, if you told me the Saints before the 2020 season started said would lose Emmanuel Sanders the next year, I'd be like, oh my God, I don't know how they overcome that wide receiver two gap. But unfortunately, there was so much inconsistency that the Saints never really had a set wide receiver group because Michael Thomas was out, then Emmanuel Sanders was out, and Callaway was out. I mean, everyone got hurt. So it was tough to tell. So that is a loss, but I'm going to leave an asterisk because I don't really know how big. Sheldon Rankins, we don't live in 2018 anymore. I love Sheldon Rankins. I hope he bounces back with the Jets. But we don't live in 2018 anymore. People who tell me, oh, man, they lost Sheldon Rankins. Rank, when he's healthy, is really good. But he hasn't been healthy for two years now. And if you're going to sit here and tell me that the Saints are not going to be able to overcome Sheldon Rankins, I'm just going to tell you their best defensive tackle is still on the roster. And David Onyemata is their best defensive tackle by a big margin. So I, I think they'll be fine. Mike, Michael Burton. I love Michael Burton. I've had it on the podcast twice. They got Alex Armour. That's probably an upgrade. Not worried about that loss. Thomas Morstead. Love and respect Thomas Morstead. If the Saints surprisingly you know, retired his jersey, I'd be like, man, he deserves it. Ring of honor for that guy. But he was bad last year because he was hurt. He had an eye injury. He had a back injury. So there are reasons for why he struggled last year, but he did struggle last year. So if I'm comparing the 2020 season to what they might get in 2021, they might actually get an upgrade in the punting game. And if that is the case, that obviously helps this team. So I think that's a little bit overstated. Trey Hendrickson. That's a loss. I'm not going to sit here and tell you losing 13 and a half sacks isn't a loss. Can they overcome it? I'll talk about that in a bit, but that is a loss. And Janoris Jenkins, that's another guy who I look at. Okay, that is absolutely a loss. There's no sugarcoating it. And now you look at the Saints cornerback room, and you're like, okay, are you sure you had a plan to replace Janoris Jenkins? Because this is a weird plan. If this was your plan, good luck. Uh, I mean, as Morgan Freeman, just, no, I don't have the Morgan Freeman voice, unfortunately, but good luck if that was your case, because it kind of comes out weird. So it's kind of 50-50 in who I think they are going to miss and who I think they're not going to miss. But what did the Saints gain? And that's why I think the depth part is a little overrated. The Saints attacked almost every need in the draft. Whether it works out or not, I don't know. And I can't sit here and tell you it will work out. But the Saints addressed a lot of needs. Oh, and you know what? I just missed it. And, and I'm going to let me just you know go off topic here because if I don't address it, you guys are going to be like, oh, Chris is throwing shade. I didn't mean to to skip Jared Cook's name and who they lost. That kind of just like blew my mind, but they're not going to miss him. I'm going to put it that way. You could tell me they are. I don't think they're going to miss him. I'm a big believer in traveling, but he is a miss. There was not shade intended. I completely forgot, but the timing is ironic considering he threw shade at the Saints last week. So let's get into back what I was saying about gaining young talent. They drafted Paulson Adebo. They drafted Peyton Turner. They drafted Pete Warner. They signed Snow Passanio. They signed Nick Vanette. They signed Alex Armour. Now, now the signings are not big. Those are really mid-level guys. 
and they have a specific role. Like for to know, maybe he can get you three, four sacks. And if he does, that's really good. Nick Vanette, he's a really good blocker. And I think he's going to fill that Josh Hill void. Alex Arma, he's probably the one that Sean Payton's most excited about, which is hilarious because he gives him that like do it all fullback that he's been looking for. And the Saints use the fullback better than anyone else. So I'm happy with that signing. It comes down to the draft class. If the draft class hits, the Saints' depth issues that people are clamoring over and saying is just so overwhelming, they won't look as bad because Pete Warner would fill in for Quan Alexander and Peyton Turner would fill in possibly for Trey Hendrickson along with the other pieces they have like Davenport and Granderson, but I'll talk about those two in just a little bit. And you'll have a Paulson Adebo who, look, if it all works out, he will be the cornerback too, if it all works out. Now, I don't know if it will. And Paulson, you know, according to Twitter, is already showing some judgment issues. I'm not going to get into it, but let's just leave it at that. People, that that's the one that people are going to be just looking on. What does Paulson do? Because Paulson probably has the most pressure on him in the sense that, look, if Peyton Turner doesn't work out immediately, all right, Davenport can play, and Tano can play, and Carl Granderson can play. Like, there are guys who can do it. And if Pete Werner sticks, stinks, we're going to chalk it up to the Saints can't draft linebackers. Although I do think Pete Werner will be a James Laurinaitis 2.0 or light, whatever you want to use the term. But I think that's the type of guy who's going to play really good in the run. I guess average or slightly below average in pass coverage, but I think average is the benchmark for him and just going to be in the right spot at the right time. And I think he's a guy who has shown good durability. So I think that Pete Warner will be fine. I think Peyton Turner actually is going to surprise people. And I know I wasn't thrilled about the pick on draft day, but the more you listen to him, the more you see his demeanor, like, okay, this kid loves football. And if he loves football, he's going to have a shot in this league. He's going to have a chance to make plays week in, week out. So I'm happy about that. Comes down to Paulson, what can he do? But the point stands, the Saints address their needs. It's just a matter of if this rookie class is going to play well. Now, if this rookie class is like the 2018 class or the 2019, or not 2019, 2019 was good, 2018 or 2020, okay, we're going to have some issues. Is it like the 2019 class or the 20, well, 2017 is a, a crapshoot. But if it is, 17 or 19, and let's just say 19 because that's a little bit more attainable, the Saints are in a good spot because that means two of their needs would be addressed because McCoy and Gardner Johnson immediately made an impact. So let's say Peyton Turner makes an immediate impact and Pete Warner make an immediate impact. Okay, your linebacker two issue, that's gone. Your defensive end two slash three issue, that's gone. And then you look at the Saints team and you go, okay, yeah, cornerback two is an issue. All right, the wide receiver room's a little bit, you know, there's a lot to be desired, but it's it's okay. All right, then this team's not as bad as people think. So that's what I want to get out there. Now, that's not all I want to talk about because this is not just about the depth. There's a, there's other factors that come into it. What you have on the roster before the draft matters too. And I know it's become redundant, but I need to talk about the quarterback room because this is going to dictate pretty much how this year goes. And if you don't think so, you're lying to yourself. It, it's going to dictate a lot. So let's revisit what the Saints have been without Drew Brees the last two years. They went 3-1 and one with Taysom Hill last year, beating the Broncos, who didn't have a quarterback, the Falcons, who the Falcons, and the Falcons again, because they're the Falcons. They got swept by Taysom Hill. And they lost that terrible game to the, the Eagles, which that game made us sick. Teddy Bridgewater, 5-0, and oh, who they beat? A really good Seahawks team on the road. Who they beat? A really talented team in the Cowboys. Who they beat? A Bears team that was pretty talented coming off a really good playoff year. On the road, they kicked their ass. Just frankly, just put it that way. They also beat the Buccaneers and they beat the Jaguars. So what did I get from those two years with Taysom and Teddy in that nine game sample size? This is what I took out of it. And you don't have to have the same opinion. This is what I took out of it. When the Saints get average 
or above average quarterback play, they are a playoff contender because they play complementary football. They run the football extremely well. They've been playing good defense the last couple of years. The years of them being just historically bad seem to be over on that side of the ball. So if Jameis Winston, who, by the way, is busting his ass this offseason, and you know if he doesn't play well, it's not for the lack of trying. He is working as hard as anyone, if not harder. He is busting his ass to be the quarterback. And if Jameis Winston can find that balance between game manager and gunslinger, and it's such a hard balance, but if you can find some type of balance between the two, that's above average quarterback play. And what have I been telling you? If the Saints have above average quarterback play or even average quarterback play, I think this is a playoff team. What they can have is 30 interceptions. What they can have is 30 fumbles from Taysom Hill. Like they can't have that type of crap. They can't have Taysom Hill fumbling the football every game. They can't have James Winston throwing a pick or two every game. Those are the things they can't have. But can they live with turnovers at a sustainable rate? Absolutely, because the rest of the roster is still pretty talented. And and that's why it's going to really bring up a lot. If the quarterback play is decent, Sean Payton's shown us he can manufacture things and figure it out. And let's just call a spade a spade. Again, Drew Brees is my guy. The Saints have had no vertical passing attack the last two years, and they were still putting up 30 points easily. So I think the Saints are going to find a way, whether you like Winston or not, whether you like Taysom Hill in his gadget role or not, regardless. They're going to find a way. Now, this doesn't mean it's a long-term solution, and I'm not going to touch that subject until next offseason or probably late next season. But for now, you're lying to yourself if you don't think the Saints offense can find ways to score points. They're going to do that. How many? I don't know, but they're going to find a way to score points. We've seen it with bad quarterback play. We've seen it with okay quarterback play. We've seen it with Taysom Hill. They've scored points. They've found ways to score points because Sean Payton's that creative. Now. Even if the quarterback position's figured out, the Saints will have issues, and I'm not going to ignore that. Will they have cornerback two issues? Yes. Will they have a hole at linebacker? Possibly. Is their wide receiver room not that great? Sure. But I want you to point me out a bunch, not a bunch, give me five, because I was thinking about it and I couldn't find them. Give me five NFC teams right now that you look at and you don't see many holes. Because I was thinking about it and I spotted three and one of them is literally hinging on whether or not their quarterback wants to play for them this year. And here are the three. One, I know it's going to grind your gears, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, well, let's just call it what it is. They got a really good defense. They got a lot of offensive weapons. For now, whatever special juice Tom Brady's on continues to work, and he's throwing the football at a high level. And if he continues to do that, this is a well-balanced team with not many flaws. Number two. The Green Bay Packers, and this is all if Aaron Rodgers comes back. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back, it all goes to shit. But if Aaron Rodgers comes back, they have a decent defense with a top seven running back, a top three wide receiver, a top 10 tight end, a top five offensive line, and the reigning MVP. You really can't ask for a lot more than that. And the defense is serviceable. And then three, the Los Angeles Rams, because one, they have the best defensive player in all football. They have one of the best cornerbacks in all football. And then you look at offense. I'm one of those guys who I think Stafford's a significant upgrade over Jared Goff. And the rest of the roster is looking pretty damn good too. So those are three teams. But outside of that, name me a team in the NFC that doesn't have a glaring flaw. Even the good ones, the Seahawks. Who's protecting Russell Wilson? Are they going to play defense? I don't know if they can do either one of those two. And that, for me, is actually more concerning than the Saints. You know, when I look at Seattle, I mean, they were winning games in a shootout. And eventually, Russell Wilson couldn't score them 45 points a game anymore. And you're like, okay, we're going to have to lose this one. There were issues with Seattle that they didn't address. 
They lost their best corner in free agency. They probably now have to pay Jamal Adams, who you know how I feel about Jamal Adams. He can't cover. And there are issues for Seattle, and they didn't really, they addressed their O-line, but they didn't fix it tremendously. So there are issues there. The 49ers, really talented roster, but they're in the same boat with the Saints where it's like, okay, what are we getting from the quarterback position? Is Trey Lance even going to start this year? No one knows. If Jimmy G starts, how many games does he play before he eventually possibly gets hurt because he is injury prone? They have concerns there. You look at the Cardinals. The Cardinals, they were served a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, teams were not, teams were injured. They had a chance to play a Rams team without Jared Goff, and they couldn't even close it out. So what do they do in free agency? They kind of went a route that the Saints used to go, and it used to burn them, getting old free agents. You sign A.J. Green, who's kind of washed up now. You get J.J. Watt, who is no longer the, the guy he used to be. Now he's good, but he's no longer the guy he used to be. Does that solve all your problems? I don't know. I don't know if it does. And I still have my reservations about Cliff Kingsbury. I don't even know if he's that good of a coach. I'm leaning towards no. Then you move on. You have teams like Detroit. We don't trust them. Chicago, we don't trust them. Teams like Minnesota. Are we sure that Minnesota is going to bounce back? I, I don't know. This could be Kirk Cousins last year with them. The NFC East. Does anyone in the NFC East scare you? The answer is no, guys. Uh, let me just get that out of the way. So the NFC East, the NFC, I'm sorry, not the NFC East, the NFC as a whole, there are no teams outside of the three I mentioned that I'm like, okay, yeah, they are pretty much set and I, I, they got their guys. And again, one of them is if Rodgers comes back. And the other two, let's be real, Stafford's injury prone. And Tom Brady's 43, going to be 44 in August. Eventually, this has to end, guys. I know I say it every fucking year, but eventually, it's got to end. Like, it, at some point, this guy's body's not going to be able to hold up, just like it did him for Peter Manning, just like it did him for Drew Brees. It's not going to hold up eventually. But my whole point is, this team and the Saints have holes. Please, outside of the three teams I mentioned, find me guys that are like, okay, yeah, they don't have that many holes. Half these NFL teams have holes. And a lot of these NFC teams, are holes at the quarterback position, just like the Saints. So I, I think this is interesting. Now, what is going to dictate whether or not this Saints team can have a higher ceiling? Well, I think there's a couple factors. I want to rattle them off. And obviously, if you disagree, hit me up on Twitter. I'm going to listen all the time to you guys. But the first one for me, and I think this is an important one. I'm not saying this is the most important. I'm just saying it's one when I was just pull out, you know, chotting down my ideas. I'm like, hey, th this is going to matter. And Marshawn Lattimore's play. One, it's going to be a contract year for him. I don't know why people think he's going to get an extension immediately. I mean, they have the off-field situation to figure out. They got to pay either Ramchick or Marcus Williams before him, in my opinion. So Lattimore is going to be the guy that waits. And Lattimore is probably the guy that should wait because as good as Lattimore is, he's also his own worst enemy because that switch that he turns on sometimes is not always turned on. And you're like, just leave the lights on, man. Just leave them on. It doesn't always happen. But... If Lattimore plays like a legit cornerback one for the majority of the NFL season, that changes everything for this team. And you won't talk about the cornerback two issues as much if Marshawn Lattimore is playing like a lockdown corner. Because when he does that, he's effectively taking the receiver out of the game, the number one receiver, excuse me. And when you do that, it just simplifies everything else. And you think about the games that we've seen him do that with Mike Evans, with Amari Cooper, even sometimes with Julio, when you take your number one out, it the whole game plan just switches because you're like, okay, this is the guy, you know, the reliable receiver is no longer reliable. And if you can do that, it kind of takes some of the burden off of a Paulson and Debo or Patrick Robinson or PJ Williams, whoever starts opposite of Marshawn. I know you guys are probably like just like scared from those options I just gave you, and they're not 
necessarily great, but it's the truth. If if he can play his game and be locked down, it, it really just, just changes the whole dynamic for them. What is another thing that will determine it? Does Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, or Mac, uh, Marcus uh, Callaway, I don't know why I just went Marcus, but like a Boston guy, but Marcus Callaway, if one of them steps up, and if one of them does this, I think they're going to be in great, sh- in great shape. That is kind of kind of like the Marshall Lattimore thing I was talking about. Flip it to the other side on offense. Michael Thomas is going to get his. I don't know how many times I have to say it and how many times I have to go to bat for this man, but he had two 100-yard receiving games with Taysom Hill. Had Teddy Bridgewater started all of last year using the five-game metrics as a way to just times it by three for that season. Would have still broke NFL records. Did Drew Brees help? Absolutely. But like at some point when he catches passes from this guy and he catches passes from that guy and he also catches passes from that guy over there, what is the reoccurring theme here? It's that Michael Thomas can fucking ball. So I don't want to hear that Michael Thomas can't play or that, oh man, because I read an article this week and I'm not going to say who wrote it, but I read an article where, man, Michael Thomas doesn't have Drew Brees anymore. He could disappoint. Have you been watching the Saints the last two years? It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. He's gonna ca- he's gonna get the football. It's just who Mike is. Now, if he can have that Robin to his Batman, like a Traquan or a Marquez Callaway or Deontay Harris, if they can do that, okay, now you're really cooking with something because that just the wide receiver two issue, it's diminished. And if you can diminish that, you'll be in good shape. And that kind of leads me to my third point, and it has to continue with the passing attack. Does Adam Troutman step up? And if Adam Troutman steps up, and I think 600 yards is a nice baseline. I actually talked it with Ralph from Saints Happy Hour. We were kind of just like going back and forth as to what's a good benchmark for Troutman. I think 600 yards is a good benchmark. And if he reaches that year two, he probably should only go up from there. And if he does that, it gives you another pass catcher in an offense that's going to need them. So I think Adam Troutman's progression and what he's able to do, that will have a big impact. Another one, can Cam and Demario stay healthy? I know this, the health factor is so tough to figure out, but if your two leaders on defense can stay healthy and give you good run support, give you good production, give you good vocal leadership on the field so you know the communication is key, that's how you keep the Saints defense playing at a high level. And I know the Saints lost pieces defensively, but I, I still think they have enough in place to be solid. And as long as they're solid, they'll be able to play complementary football. And how I believe they'll be able to stay complementary and, and be able to be a solid defense well, it's how do you replace Trey Hendrickson? And I think the Saints, the one thing they did and the one thing they've had, they have done is invest in the defensive line and whether people think it's too much or not enough, that's up to you. But when I sit here and I tell you the Saints have to replace Trey Hendrickson and I can't tell you that one guy is going to do it, but I can tell you they might have three guys that can, that's huge because Davenport or Turner or Granderson or all of them combined, just like Voltron from Power Rangers, if I even got that right, I don't know if I did, can they replace Trey Hendrickson? And if the three of them can, that is going to just immediately, you'll see this defense immediately in terms of pass rushing, kind of just pick up where they left off last year. And if they can do that, that obviously is going to keep them playing a playoff caliber style of football. So all those factors that I mentioned, they're all going to tie in and they're all going to matter. And it's all going to make an impact on this team. How they play, especially the guys I mentioned, will dictate what this is including the the quarterback room, because obviously that one is the one that I don't have to go too in depth in. The Saints need to have decent production at quarterback. But if these other factors come into play and they come to fruition, I think that right now you're looking at a 10 and seven ball club with the, the potential to move up a game or two in that ceiling, especially if all goes well, why can't the Saints go 12 and five? 
Why can't they? That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying they will. And I'm not saying to set your bar at that because if you set your bar that high, boy, let me tell you, there's a lot of disappointment coming your way. But if things go well and you see during the regular season that things are going swell, then all right, let's move that benchmark. But for now, I think it's a 10 and 7 ball club with the potential to move to 11 and 6 or 12 and 5 if a good amount of those factors hit. Not all of those factors have to hit, but the ones that need production at the quarterback play needs to be good. Lattimore needs to be solid. Can you have another pass catcher step up? Can you replace Trey Hendrickson? Those, those are the ones that are going to matter the most, guys. And if those happen, the Saints will be a playoff team. But I'm interested to know what you guys think about this. I know this is a little bit of a different topic. But again, there's not that much going on. And you guys are out of your mind if you think I'm going to sit here for 30 minutes and talk about Paulson Adebo's stance on the NFL's rules for unvaccinated players. And by the way, I am I am vaccinated for people who don't know. But I'm not going to give my stance on Paulson Adebo's Instagram rant. I already tweeted about it once. I'm not going to talk about it for, for 30 minutes. So it's a little bit of a different topic, obviously, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I'm curious to know what you guys think. What is your ceiling for the Saints? And what can this 2021 roster be? I'm curious to know what you guys think about it. So hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram, wherever. I'll get back to you guys. I'll talk about it. And whoever made it to the end, important question right here. I want your answer. You either DM me or just tweet at me. Let me know, please. And I really would appreciate the feedback. So again, if you're listening, either on Instagram or on Twitter, at Rose Report, hit me up. Let me know what you think. Do you want Straight Up Saints podcasts for the foreseeable future to be live shows? And if you do, let me know. They would air on Twitter and YouTube, but especially Twitter. I know that's where we all mostly engage. If you want the show to be live, please hit me up and let me know, and I can make that happen. And then the recorded version would just be available just like the normal pod, but there would be that live option where you can chime in with comments. And if you like that, let me know. We can do that. And I'm not trying to make a Kirk Cousins reference. I'm being pretty serious right now. But anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. If something does break, I will be back on here. If not, I will be back next week, possibly with a live show, depending on what feedback you give me. And we'll talk about more stuff only on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.